We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. John Harbaugh met with the Media Monday, and let me tell you, he came prepared with in-depth analysis to explain and defend his decision to go for a touchdown instead of a field goal in Sunday's loss to the Buffalo Bills. We want to know, does Harbaugh's explanation change your mind about the call? All that's still to come. I'm Sarah Ellison with Bobby Trossett. It's Tuesday, October 4th, and this is your Morning Ravens Vault. After 11 NFL seasons, all of which were spent in Baltimore, longtime Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith officially retired on Monday. Plus, injury updates on Rashad Bateman, Justice Hill, and a big update on running back Gus Edwards. We have all that and more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, which is now on YouTube, where you get the most important Ravens news in just 15 minutes. So as expected, John Harbaugh was questioned Monday about his decision to go for it on fourth down against the Bills. In the end, we know his gamble did not work and the play ended in an interception that obviously led to a game-winning field goal for the Bills as time expired in Baltimore, Sarah. And Bobby, with 2020 hindsight and after sleeping on it and reflecting, Harbaugh said he still believes he made the right call. I feel the same way as I felt during the game, and after the game. I mean, I trust our players implicitly in everything. You know, as a coach, I trust our offense to make plays and extend leads and all that, and I trust our defense to get stops, and I trust our special teams to, to make plays and flip field positions. So, you know, that's, you start with that. And I can completely trust our defense with the ball at the two-yard line to get a stop there. They punt us to the 50. We run it down into field goal range. We run the timeout and we kick the game-winning field goal. And that, that was the thinking. So rather than put him in a situation for a field goal, you know, in that situation at the 25-yard line with four minutes left, I'm thinking either seven or I'm thinking the ball's at the two-yard line. And I really stand by that decision, 100%. So, Sarah, I know he spoke at length about the decision, right? Like multiple minutes. But as we know, we offer a 15-minute show. At least we try to keep it to 15 minutes. So with that in mind, can you summarize his explanation? Yeah, well, first off, Harbaugh said, generally speaking, he doesn't believe in taking the, quote, safe route just to take the heat off of him because then it puts it on the players. Instead, he wants to put the team in the best possible scenario to win. And the way Harbaugh saw it, he had three options to choose from. 
First, he could kick the field goal. But then he would just give the ball back to Josh Allen and the Bills offense at the 25-yard line with four minutes remaining, and they'd have four downs to convert all the way down. You know, there's nothing least safe in the National Football League than a three-point lead, a four-point lead, a five-point lead, or a six-point lead. You know, that's kind of been proven. So, Or second, he could go for the touchdown. And then, again, the Bills would get the ball back in the same place with the same time with the same number of downs, but you would have put your team in a better spot with the seven-point lead. And then finally, he saw the third and final choice of not converting, but the Bills getting the ball at the two-yard line. He said he had faith in his defense that it would get a stop in that situation, forcing the Bills to punt the ball back and the Ravens being able to get in position for a Justin Tucker field goal to win the game as time expired. So in the end, he opted for the choice that either gets the touchdown or has his defense at the two-yard line. Completely trust our defense with the ball at the two-yard line to get a stop there. They punt us to the 50. We run it down into field goal range. We run the timeout and we kick the game-winning field goal. And that, that was the thinking. So rather than put him in a situation for a field goal, you know, in that situation at the 25-yard line with four minutes left, I'm thinking either seven or I'm thinking the ball's at the two-yard line. We obviously know now that none of these three options came to fruition, Sarah, that you just outlined. Instead, the play ended in an interception and Buffalo got the ball at the 20 as a result, and we know what happened next. Right, and he was asked about that. That's football, you know, so it, it wasn't in the equation, I guess is my point before. And it just wasn't part of the thinking on it. So it changed, it changed the equation a little bit, no doubt. Harbaugh was also asked about the play call from Greg Roman. And here's what he had to say on this one. Lamar got blocked because the, the corner route came open. It was a play that we had had up. We, pl- we practiced it in that range from basically two to five yards. And um, it was a play that Greg was looking for. And Craig Verstig, who does our red zone, was looking for. So they were excited to get it. You know, it popped open. But, you know, sometimes you get shielded. You know, and that's the disappointing thing about it with football. But... I don't feel bad about the play call. There's a lot of options down there at the two-yard line. You can run it. You can do shovel passes. You can run bootlegs. I mean, you can do sprint outs. You can do a lot of type of stuff. But that's the play that they had, that they had worked out and executed well in practice. And, you know, ultimately it came open, but just didn't work out. So, Sarah, last week on Sunday Night Football, I happened to catch what Hall of Fame head coach Tony Dungy had to say about Harbaugh's choice to go for the touchdown instead of a field goal. Here's what he had to say in front of a national audience, no less. That shows me that Coach Harbaugh didn't have confidence in his defense. He didn't trust his defense. Bottom line, he didn't trust his defense. Now we have yet to hear from Marcus Peters as we outlined in our post-game reaction episode the other night, but there's plenty of speculation that he was upset because Harbaugh didn't trust the defense to get the job done when it mattered most in the fourth quarter. Right, and Harbaugh did speak to the topic of trust. Check this out. I mean, I trust our players implicitly in everything. You know, as a coach, I trust our offense to make plays and extend leads and all that, and I trust our defense to get stops, and I trust our special teams to to make plays and flip field positions. So, you know, that's you start with that. That's what That's what you always do, and I think with that, Goes the obligation, you know, the, you know, the players trust me too, you know, they trust the coach, they trust the coaches to put them in the best possible position to win the game, whatever that might be. So Sarah, both you and I said after the game in our instant reaction episode that I just referenced, we both would have taken the points with a field goal from Justin Tucker. But now that we've thoroughly gone through Harbaugh's thought process, 48 hours has passed. I got to ask, has he swayed you at all? 
No, he didn't. Now, I don't think his decision was terrible, but I still would have taken the points. Here's the thing about Harbaugh's explanation. I think Harbaugh's tongue is tied a little bit, especially when it comes to talking about trust. And by the way, I think we're asking the wrong question. It's not whether he trusts the defense. Because if he took the points and the Bills went down and scored a touchdown, they still would have won the game. And you could say just as easily that he doesn't trust his MVP quarterback. It's lazy analysis in my view. So to me, the question is more, what do you trust more given the circumstances we've laid out? Do you trust your MVP scoring from the two-yard line? Or your defense stopping a high-flying Josh Allen offense with four minutes, especially considering the defense had just let Allen score on three of the previous four possessions. Now, to me, Bobby, Harbaugh's actions said he trusted Lamar Jackson more in this scenario. Now, I personally didn't trust the offense either based off the fact it hadn't scored during the entire second half and also based on failed conversions on short-yarded situations from the first three weeks of the season. But here's the thing, though, Bobby. I didn't have trust in the defense either in this scenario. In the end, neither the offense nor the defense proved Harbaugh right or wrong because they both came up short in the end. Sarah, while it was super compelling and well-thought-out and well-presented, I'm with you. I'm not sure I'm exactly swayed 48 hours after this, but still to come here on the vault, we say goodbye to longtime cornerback Jimmy Smith and, of course, salute his 10-plus years spent in Baltimore. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So longtime Baltimore Raven and Super Bowl champion Jimmy Smith has called it a career, Bobby. Yeah, Sarah, 11 NFL seasons with the same franchise. 11. That's pretty rare these days. And here's how number 22 opened up his press conference. They took a chance on me with the first round pick. Obviously, a lot of people know that I had a couple of, uh, I would call them orange flags. I don't know if they're red. <laughs> but I had a couple of red flags coming out and people had worries and certain inquiries about me. And I walked into the office with them and it was probably just like being at home. It was just like they, they seen right through everything. They, they knew I was telling the truth. They knew what type of person I was. They knew I was immature, but I had to grow still. But they were willing to take a chance on me, and that chance changed my life. So I'm forever grateful because I had a lot of ups and downs, obviously, and as a person and a player, and they stuck right by me. They kind of epitomized loyalty a little bit. That was something that was major to me. Bobby, is there another Raven who makes you just think, what if more so than Jimmy Smith. The amount of debilitating injuries he sustained throughout his 11 years in the league is ultimately what led him to hanging up his cleats. But just imagine what he could have been given his skill set if availability hadn't been his Achilles heel. I think that's a great point, Sarah. And I'm not sure there's any other player that I think of before I think of Jimmy Smith when, to your point, the what-if scenario comes across your mind. But no one can take away from his efforts on that goal line stand to help secure Super Bowl 47, right? No one can take away from his playmaking abilities. And certainly no one can take away from his locker room leadership that served as a calming presence towards his later years in Baltimore. At the same time, I'm sure he would kill to have been more available at certain points throughout his career. And the 2014 and 2019 seasons come to mind in particular, Sarah. In those two years, he played in just eight and nine games, respectively. All right. And what other takeaways did you have from Jimmy Smith's speech? Yeah, I thought what he had to say about his relationship with John Harbaugh and specifically how it evolved over the years, Sarah, was super thoughtful. When you have a good coach, he should be a great mentor and the players should follow. Like if you're a good coach your players look up to you. And Harbaugh obviously epitomizes that. He showed me more. He believed in me. He, and Coach is very honest. He'll come up and tell you immediately what you did wrong. Or he'll text you, play 47. You did this. Like, he's, he's that guy. And in the very beginning, you know, you're just getting to know your coach. He's a coach. And then all of a sudden, as you get older, you become more of a man in this and you understand the business and they trust you, then the bond becomes stronger because now you can talk about life. When I was going through some of, some of the off-the-field issues I had, like we would just talk about that. We didn't even talk about football. I and mean, we have a big game coming up this week. He would make sure that my mind was ready, period, and, and life than, it, than necessarily always football. And when you have a coach that's a really good coach, like I said, you, he's a mentor, you want to follow that. So a lot of the things that I came in here, he preached week in and week out, for 11 years that some of the young players are like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, I've been hearing this forever, but now it's ingrained in me and it's part of who I am. It's part of what helped me mature to be, become a man. And Bobby, as Eric DaCosta highlighted during his part of the press conference, spending 11 years with the same 
the one and only same franchise is pretty special in today's world of professional sports. Yeah, no question. Jimmy was actually asked if at any point along the way did he consider playing anywhere else besides Baltimore. Like a lot of players always feel, hey, I can go get a lot more money over here. And for me, it wasn't necessarily money. Like I wanted to be with family and comfortable and 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 be around people that loved me and, and knew who I was. So I never really thought like, oh, I'm not the I'm about to go out here and, and no disrespect to the Browns again. They get mad at me about this, but I wasn't about to go play for some random Browns. You know, like I wasn't about to go do something like that. The Cleveland Browns, they're just so easy to pick on. And what did EDC have to say about Jimmy? Sarah, I'll leave you with this. DaCosta was Baltimore's director of college scouting when Jimmy Smith was being recruited to the NFL. And he told a story about the first time he watched Jimmy play for the University of Colorado. We have a type. We had a type with John. We've had a type going way back at corner, um, even before John was our head coach. And Jimmy really did kind of epitomize what we were looking for at that position. So as I would do, I came back to Baltimore and uh, went down to see Ozzy and said, Ozzy, I got a guy for you. Not every single year, but most years, I typically will, will give Ozzy some guys to look at early in the year that end up being really players on our radar. And uh, Jimmy was that guy that year. So we went through the process. Obviously, that draft was complicated. That was the year that uh, Steve's not here, but if Steve were here, he would say that that was the year that the Bears didn't consummate the trade with us. On, uh, in 2011 draft, we thought we had a deal with the, with the Bears to trade back a few spots, and uh, we were going to get a pick. We got jumped, and my biggest fear was not necessarily losing the pick, but that we might lose Jimmy, and we were afraid we were going to lose Jimmy. Fortunately, we were able to get Jimmy, and uh, the last thing I would say, I just think that to, to finish where you start is a beautiful thing in professional sports. A lot of guys don't get the chance to do it. And I'm very happy that Jimmy had the chance to do that here as a Baltimore Raven. So with week four now in the rearview mirror, the Ravens have several players on the physically unable to perform list that are all eligible to return to practice, Sarah. Yeah, that's right. There's Tyus Bowser working his way back from an Achilles Rookie tight end Charlie Kohler, who had hernia surgery. And then, of course, Gus Edwards. He's been rehabbing his knee. And Harbaugh gave an update on all three. Tyus is, is real close against, it's really in Tyus's court, you know, and uh, we'll see. I think he'll be out there to some degree for sure. I don't know exactly what degree. Uh, I'm not necessarily planning on him for the game unless, you know, something changes, some conversation changes. But uh, Charlie's not going to practice this week yet. I think Ronnie will continue his progression and, you know, keep our fingers crossed. Hey, Gus is still a little ways away from practice. Gus is actually going to go and start practicing. Yeah, Gus is going to start practicing, so um, we'll see how it looks. So, Sarah, basically, Harbs is leaving things in Tyus Bowser's hands, much like he's been doing with Ronnie Stanley in recent months, but at least Bowser could potentially practice this week. What we do know is that Gus Bus is returning to practice, and you wonder if his return to the field, meaning for regular season football, could be imminent. Yeah, I mean, just him getting back to practice is really good news for the Ravens running attack. Edwards will now have three weeks to practice, and then the Ravens will need to decide whether to activate him for a game or put him back on PUP. So 
while Edwards will be practicing, it could still be a few weeks until we see him in an actual game. And speaking of the running attack, Justice Hill was having a pretty productive game until he left with a hamstring injury. Right, but there is some positive news here. Check this out. We got good news on that. I think we dodged a bullet on that. It's not a serious hamstring. That doesn't mean he won't be out for a little bit, but it's not going to be one of those long-term hamstrings, they say. So, you know, I always take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, but good news on that front. And then, Bobby, just one last injury update here. We saw Rashad Bateman leave the game and go into the blue medical tent to get his foot taped. He came back in temporarily, but then had to leave again and then never returned. Now, a fan posted a video of Bateman after the game coming out from the locker room, and he had a boot on his foot. Now, Harb said he had a midfoot injury, which made many think, hey, could this be one of those dreaded Liz Frank injuries? But for what it's worth, Harbaugh didn't indicate it was anything very serious. Uh, I don't think it's serious, but, uh, you know, it's going to just got to see. He told me today he's kind of day-to-day, so we'll see how it plays out. And before we jump, some other quick news items you need to know, beginning with this from John Harbaugh, who you've heard a lot of throughout the course of this episode, but he was asked about the roughing the passer penalty called on Brandon Stevens in a key moment during Sunday's fourth quarter against Buffalo. You coach your guys to do it the right way. I've, I've read a lot of the people, Gene Steratores and those guys, they all said it was a good, clean hit. You know, I, I mean, I saw the same thing. I didn't see any head or neck contact in all honesty. So I can't speak for Jerome. Jerome's a great official. I have the utmost respect for him. That's, that's real time that they have to make those decisions. I wish they would look at those in review. I think they should take a look at them real quick and get him right because they're, you know, that put him in the field goal range. Sarah, for what it's worth, former standout pass rusher Dwight Freeney weighed in on Twitter having tweeted this. Terrible call. Fell out of my recliner when this call was made. What more could he have done? He even slowed down to tackle someone twice his size in Josh Allen. I definitely retired at the right time. In other news, Harbaugh defended Adafe Owe's decision to attempt to punch the football away from Bills running back Devin Singletary in what ultimately became the game-winning drive. Thanks for listening to the Morning Ravens Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. So if you love our show, please tap that follow button and share it with a friend. We can also be reached by email via BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. And as of last month, the Ravens Vault podcast is now available on YouTube. So please consider subscribing to our channel ahead of week five. All you have to do is simply search Ravens Vault podcast on YouTube. Yeah, that's all the time we've got today, but we will be back on Wednesday with the Ravens news you need to know. If you or someone you know is interested in advertising on our podcast, be sure to hit us up at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com, like Sarah said. And as always, thanks for listening to the Ravens Vault. Ravens Vault.